The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. I'm very happy today to be introducing you to a couple of wonderful women. We're going to be talking in just a little bit with cookbook author extraordinaire, the queen bean herself, Drina Burton. And after the first break, we will be bringing on Lauren Crone, a certified nutrition consultant. So if you have cooking questions or Raising vegan kids or any kind of kids questions, give us a call right about now or soon at 816-347-5519. You can talk with Drina Burton. And in about 20 minutes or so, if you have a nutrition question and you would like to speak to Lauren Crone, the number is the same from anywhere on this planet, 816-347-5519. Before we get started, I do want to draw your attention to what's going on over at MainStreetVegan.net this very week. I did the blog post this week, and it's kind of different in that it harkens back a bit to my charmed life, self-help writer, unity lady kind of life that I did before I was doing vegan stuff full-time. And the post is called The Desire Behind the Desire. So it's talking about what we want and what we crave and manifesting and what's really important. So you might find that of interest. You know, when I think about my life as a self-help writer and all that, I cannot skip this opportunity 
to mention someone in that field that we lost in the past week, and that is Dr. Wayne Dyer. I know lots of people on the radio and online are giving tributes and telling their Wayne Dyer stories, and I just want to tell you mine. I was living in a little cabin in the central Missouri Ozarks. I was in my 30s. I was widowed, single mom, and although I had written one book and I wrote for magazines, the publisher and the magazines were so little that I really had no money. In fact, I so much had no money that that year when I filed my taxes, the government sent me money that I hadn't even paid in, kind of like, thank you for living on nothing. It really means a lot. So in this state of knowing that I had something to offer the world but not quite sure how to do it, I wrote to Dr. Dyer probably to say, my circumstances are dire, (laughs) and I sent him some copies of stuff that I had written, not really expecting to hear back. But lo and behold, the following week, I received a box, and it was full of Wayne Dyer books, everything he'd written up to that time. And on top of the books, there was a handwritten note telling me that he believed in me, he liked my work, and here is the name and phone number of his literary agent in New York. Wow. Now, it didn't work out with the literary agent, but that was fine. I found one within six months who worked out better for me. But what did happen in that experience was I learned something about generosity. You know, we can't all help everybody. But we're all uniquely gifted to be able to help some people. He knew the book business. He had a reputation there, and he could help me with that. And I believe that everybody that I've ever given any useful advice to about writing or publishing goes back to that day and Dr. Wayne Dyer. So Godspeed, Dr. Dyer. You've uh, changed this world in such a wonderful and positive way. Moving on now to our first guest, Drina Burton has been a vegan for almost 20 years, and in that time she has written four best-selling cookbooks, charting her journey as a plant-powered cook and an at-home mother of three. Always passionate about creating nutrition recipes, she's an advocate of using the vegan basics to create healthy, delicious food for the whole family. You know, she's Queen Bean. She's also Vegan Cookie Queen. <laughs> and her latest book is Plant Powered Families. Welcome, Drina Burton. Thank you, Victoria. I got goosebumps when you just told that story about Wayne Dyer. That's so, I mean, what a memory to have and what an experience. That's amazing. Thank you. And yeah. I am not one to hold on to things, you know. <laughs> I, I didn't save that letter when I was having my Beatle days back in the 60s. I didn't save any of that stuff, and that's probably because God didn't want me to retire young and to keep writing books and things. So they are memories without anything attached. That's a good thing, too. <laughs> it is. Gosh, Drina, it's so lovely to have you here. Let's introduce you to somebody who might not be a fan already. When did you start living as a vegan and what spurred that decision? 
Yeah, well, I was in my 20s, and I had been dabbling with um, removing animal products from my diet, mostly because I just was not feeling very well. I was in my 20s and feeling pretty awful, like just general uh, low energy. Um, My digestion was really sluggish. I had sore joints. I had episodes of gout in my 20s. It was just very odd to me. I thought, you know, this should really be sort of the prime of my life of feeling well. And I did love dairy a lot um, and ate a lot of cheese and yogurt and ice cream and that kind of thing. And I ate my fair share of meat products as well. So I I did some reading and, you know, came across some of the, uh, you know, pivotal books like John Robbins' um, Diet for New America. And um, I read some others at that time as well. And I just started to make the connection. So I removed animal products, starting with the meat products. And then later, once I was willing to accept that I didn't need dairy for calcium, I then removed the dairy and felt just remarkably better. I mean, it was it was night and day for me. Um, and so I continued to learn over the years. And then I got attached to the ethical side of things with some of the writings by Eric Marcus and some other people, and uh, it all just came together for me. And really, it's I haven't really looked back since. It's been it's just one of those things. It's life now. It's it's been my normal for so long. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting about the dairy. It seems that getting rid of the dairy is what makes people feel so much better. And I wonder sometimes if part of why the paleo people say that they feel so good mm-hmm. isn't because they're eating all that meat, but because they're not eating dairy. Mm, interesting. Interesting point. Could be. Yeah, because it's a very hard uh, food to digest and, and uh, I mean it just seems everybody have uh, people have so many complications with eating it from uh, you know asthma and joint issues and you know digestion and constipation so many things there's just a realm of issues it seems and how lovely that you figured out that you didn't need it for calcium or calcium <laughs> as I think some people really want to be saying so if you made this change back in your 20s, does this mean that your children have eaten this way as long as they've been living? Yes, yeah. Whoa. I mean, when we became vegan, it was very, it wasn't hip. It was not at all, you know, as it is now where there's a bit of a trendiness to it. Um, we actually, and we grew up on the East Coast of Canada, as far east as you can go in Newfoundland. So it was very remote and even... Uh, if vegan was known in some parts of Canada or the U.S., it certainly wasn't known where we <laughs> were growing up. So my husband and I actually, we after university, we moved from Newfoundland to Western Canada to um, B.C., and we started our family out here. So, yeah, our children have, have known plant-based vegan their entire lives, and um, they, I see all the time, they love their diet. People seem to be kind of surprised by that, but they do. <laughs> Well, I had no idea that you had lived in Newfoundland. Mm. And so I have to tell you my little Newfoundland story. Okay. I actually have two. One is that my husband's ex is from Newfoundland. So I have some sort of connection there um, through my stepchildren. But about 20 years ago, we saw the most wonderful little indie film that took place there. And the gist of it was that God decided that people were just so terrible that he was going to destroy the earth. And, and St. John the Baptist said, no, let's just let me go down there and see if I can find just a few good people. So he went to St. John's uh-huh. <laughs> and, and found a family. The woman was like the local 
TV news anchor. And of course, she didn't know that he had come from the great beyond or who he was. And they were one day in the supermarket and the produce was looking kind of sorry. So he did some magic and made this tomato really look nice. And she picked up this tomato and said, wow, this one must have fallen off the truck on the way to Toronto. (laughs) So... Uh. Perhaps having lived there, you will yeah. find that fun. I, I get it. And Newfoundland, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, and the good people, there's a lot of good people in Newfoundland, so I get the heart of that story, too. <laughs> well, I, I would really, really love to go, although some of the delicacies, I think, as a vegan, I would uh, yeah. buy <laughs> have a hard time with. I grew up with them, cod tongues and <laughs> some other things that, uh, yeah, not, not everyone eats it anymore, but it w- was part of my childhood, for sure. Yeah, well, maybe that made it a little bit easier to go veg. You never know. So you do have these three beautiful daughters. And how is that? How has it changed? What's the difference in in your experience from having little girls who eat this way to teenagers who eat Mm. this way? Yeah, it's uh, I've seen through the years, because Charlotte is our older daughter. She's now 14. And... She, uh, you know, when they're young, you wonder, you sort of think, oh, are they ever going to like their greens? And you go through the stages of pickiness and you get frustrated as a parent and you're throwing out food. And, (laughs) you know, there's times where they're sort of playing those food games with you. And I just have seen now with her that she's now that she's 14 and I didn't think it was going to happen quite this early. I thought it might be maybe 18, 20 or later. She really enjoys such a variety like a full breadth of foods that that picky tendency I mean all kids all people have certain foods they don't love of course but she just really enjoys most of the foods we eat it's 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 not like she's rejecting things and she loves her greens and she loves salads and I really did not expect that to happen at her age so I always remind parents that you know try to keep that longer term focus in mind with kids because we tend to get wrapped up with the stage that they're in and that they're not enjoying this food or they loved it for a month and now they're not eating eating it and that kind of thing. And if we can just kind of remember these are building blocks and we're, we're moving for a long term with these children and, and, and developing a foundation for them for life skills that is really rewarding when you start to see that take shape. And that's what I'm seeing with her. So tell me about plant powered families. How, how do you address these issues in that book? Yeah, well, it's a collection of both recipes and, and what I call my my mama insight, I guess, with raising vegans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what I like to call them. And because I've done a number of books, but I always felt like I wanted to do this family book. And there wasn't a lot out there for vegans raising families in terms of normalizing it and, and making it seem like, yeah, you can do this. Or if you don't eat fully vegan, you can still make these recipes. They're not that hard. It's not that much more preparation. In fact, usually it's easier than preparing a meat-based meal. So um, I I felt like it was the time to put this book out. And it, I wanted to include not just the recipes, which are all wholesome, whole foods recipes, lots of nut-free ideas for kids as well. But then I include sections on packing lunches for kids for school with all the nut-free ideas because nuts are always, they're always a no-no for us in class. Some some schools vary and they, they allow them, but for us, we've never had a year where kids can eat nuts in school. 
So lots of nut-free options. And then there's a section on birthday parties, hosting a birthday party. You're sending your your kid to a birthday party. Um, there's a section on picky eaters because we all experience that. And then there's some nutritional FAQs and um, menu plans, like meal plans for the kids and for yourself as well. So it kind of covers what I think I've gathered over the years with the kids at, at the different stages and put it into recipes and also lots of tips. Oh, it sounds like something I would have just died for 30 years ago. So how wonderful that it's out there now. So let's back up a little bit. Let's look at the family before the children arrive. Do you have some ideas for healthy pregnancy? Yeah, well, pregnancy, for me, the support in pregnancy is really important. Uh, You know, whether you have a doctor or midwife. In Canada, we we were able to choose, and we still are, whether we go with a a general practitioner, a GP, or a midwife. And my experience was I started with a doctor, and I didn't feel like I was getting my questions answered or I had enough time. You know, that first pregnancy especially, there's so many questions. You feel like, you know, you're going to fall apart with all the, the concerns you have. Um, so I opted for a midwife, and I found that generally through my experiences, they were more welcoming of being vegetarian and vegan, and and also helpful if you know you were going through a period where you felt like you were you were having a hard time eating, and maybe you needed certain supplements. Or uh, they they seem to help with that very well. I uh, that was my experience. So I think it's really key for people to get that that support. And whether that's a, a naturopath, in addition to your um, your doctor, or whether it's a midwife, it's really, really important, I think. That's the key thing. And then lots of online research. And there's so much information out there between you know, sites like PCRM and lots of other individual sites um, and forums on Facebook and all these things. There's so much that people can get support with. Um, and just to make sure that they're taking care of themselves and not being too hard on themselves through pregnancy. Because I went through, you know, the first three or four months of my pregnancies where I couldn't eat anything green, anything really healthy. I had about three months where I ate white food, and that was it. I, I couldn't stomach anything. I was so nauseous. I was throwing up every day. And, um, you know, you just have to roll with some of that and uh, understand that pregnancy just does a real – it does a – a bit of a number on your body. So you kind of have to get support and, and roll with it the best you can. Mm, and I'm sure that's true regardless of what sort of diet someone yeah. is eating. The support is really important because your emotions are all over the place. And then if somebody is telling you, oh, my gosh, you're not eating ABC and this is right. going to harm your baby, well, we need support from other people. And one of the places you can get that is in this fabulous new book, Plant Powered Families. You can also find Drina at plantpoweredkitchen.com and she's on Facebook at Drina Burton Plant Powered Kitchen. Now, earlier, Drina, you talked about the picky eater. Oh my gosh, I went through that long years ago with a little vegan kid. What was your experience? Yeah, I found there's a couple of stages that when they're really little and they're, you know, toddling about and we tend to interpret, I think, as parents or as moms that they're picky when sometimes they're just busy and they don't really care to eat at that moment. And we have to remember that when they're very little, 
they're when they're hungry, they're going to eat. They're just going to eat. So just have the healthy options there for them, and um, don't fill them up on you know a lot of sort of nutrient uh, void snacks, which can happen with toddlers. I see it a lot with with friends growing as the kids were growing up. They tend to eat a lot of crackers and things that weren't very nutritious, and then they don't want to eat a proper meal. But then as they get a little older, like her youngest now is six, and she is working it. She's <laughs> at the table every day saying, I don't like this. And I said, well, that's interesting because you haven't tasted it. And she said, Oh, but I've had it before and I don't like it. <laughs> so she's, she's played that game with me, but I know how she works. So, you know, you, there's some strategies you can do with little ones and make it, you know, make it playful for them so they're more interested. I often encourage parents to get them involved in a way, and that doesn't have to be cooking because that can become a little bit overwhelming if you have a, a little one in the kitchen all the time. It's, you know, it's hard work to have them under your feet. Um, but they can get involved by, you know, picking a new produce item, maybe let them pick a new fruit or vegetable to try or a recipe or something like that because then they're invested and they want to try it out. And I find that has happened with our girls. If they are involved in that capacity in some way, they're very proud. And then they want to try it, right? Mm, so That works for husbands, too. <laughs> Indeed, it does. Um, so there's a, a number of things you can do. And, and I find it's kind of stage-related based on, you know, the particular age that they're at. But I give lots of tips of, on those things in the book. And also how to kind of revise your food approach, like maybe working in new foods with favorite foods that they like and finding ways to do that. Um, because there's always ways to expand their horizons and not make it a big deal for them. I love the idea of expanded horizons. Oh my gosh, I wish we had expanded time. We're really technically out, but I have to ask you one more question. You and I, I think, both had the great good luck of raising children vegan from the very beginning. What about a mom or a dad who's becoming vegan themselves, Mm -hmm. but they have kids who are used to Ronald McDonald and all Mm -hmm. the rest? Any thoughts? Yeah, it's definitely more of a challenge. I mean, I I actually started a Facebook group for parents, and it's called Plant Powered Families on Facebook for these kinds of things, for people to connect and kind of help each other out, because I think that is more of a challenge. But again, I think if you approach it from a place where you make it fun for them and find, start with the favorites. I always say, you know, work on foods you love first. Don't start branching out into tempeh or quinoa if it's something totally new to you. Start with things your family loves, potatoes or um, a pasta bake or something like that and make that familiar but using more vegan ingredients within it. And it's so much easier now because there's so many replacements too. And while we want to use as many whole foods as we can, that's a good place to start. So I always, you know, that's kind of where I I start with people is start with the familiar and the favorites and then build on those. Ah, Darina, you're so delightful and you know so much. You have three lucky daughters. The book is Plant Powered Families and more information about Drina, all the places to find her and her good work will be posted on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net slash blog shortly after this program today. Drina, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you at some festival or other. I do too. Thanks, Victoria. All Take the care. best. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Bye. And- Everybody else, please stay with us. We will be back with nutrition consultant Lauren Crone right after this. 
Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. There's an Irish proverb that says, your feet will bring you to where your heart is. I'm Ted Collins, Dean of Unity Institute and Seminary, and I hope you'll join Unity Friends next spring as our hearts lead us to Ireland itself. We'll see the sights, enjoy the people, and learn about the many spiritual connections between Celtic and Unity traditions. I invite you to join me and other Unity Friends on this wonderful journey to Ireland March 31st through April 9th. Go online today and take advantage of our early booking bonus by visiting unityinstitute.org slash travel. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to move from food and how yummy it is to food and how good for you it is. During the break, I was talking with our next guest, Lauren Crone, and she was saying, what a serendipitous pairing today, because she is a fan of Drina Burton's and recommends this new book to her clients who are families. She also reminded me that she's calling in from East Hampton, and there's some Big news out there. The Hamptons Film Festival has decided for the first time, and I believe the first time for any film festival, to include a section on films having to do with animals and ethics. So that's a big deal in the world of movies and the world of Hamptons. Every time I say Hamptons, I think about sex in the city. That will probably be the way it is forever and ever. And every time I say sex in the city, I think of high heels. Mm. Okay, I am so happy to um, 
help you make the acquaintance of Lauren Crone, certified nutrition consultant with expertise in plant-based nutrition and disease prevention and mediation. Lauren is the social media manager of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, an organization of health professionals dedicated to preventing and reversing chronic disease. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's such a pleasure to be on the show. Well, it is such a pleasure to have you here. It's always fun to have someone on that I've actually met in person, and we met yes. kind of accidentally. We actually met at a bar. All right. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> but it wasn't like that. No, it was um, we, we were there for a, a wonderful benefit, an uh, animal rights benefit a while back, and you just for mercy for animals. Mercy for animals, and you have such a lovely presence and so much great information that I wanted my listeners to have some of that. So tell us first, Lauren, I think people are very confused because it seems that anybody can say I'm a nutritionist, and in a lot of states that's perfectly legal to do, even for someone who's had no training at all. And then there are registered dietitians. I've heard of clinical nutritionists. Now, you are a certified nutrition consultant. Help me out. What does all this mean? (laughs) Well, there are quite a few certifications out there at the moment. I'm not sure that I understand the exact difference between all of them. But um, I think nutritionist at this point is sort of being used as a catch-all term for someone who has studied nutrition and has a certification of some sort in nutrition. Um, You cannot say that you're a dietitian if you don't have an RD. Um, but uh, I think clinic, it, different schools give out different certifications. So, you know, clinical nutritionist is a, is a specific um, criteria that a, a few schools in California have. Um, I went to Bowman College and their degree is certified nutrition consultant. So technically, if I like, I can say I'm a nutritionist, but I just call a spade a spade and I am a certified nutrition consultant. So, um, I but like I think that. it's, yeah, it's, it's just uh, depending on the number of credit hours you've had and the, the exact training you've had. But, um, you know, I didn't go to university and get um, an RD, but I do have. Uh, a tremendous amount of experience in nutritional therapeutics and nutritional biochemistry. And it was a really fantastic training that I had. Mm. But, um, but that, you know, it, it's, it's uh, in a way semantics, in a way, um, depending on your training, uh, the, you know, in terms of delineating between those terms. Right. Well, I know so many people that are looking for more training in nutrition, certainly the people who come to Main Street Vegan Academy and they go out as vegan lifestyle coaches, but a certain percentage of them are really, really interested in the nutrition and they're prepared to go for more education. Not all of them are prepared to go for six years to be an RD. So it's very interesting to know that these other options exist. So what inspired you to do this, Lauren? Well, it's actually a very interesting story. Um, I actually spent most of my career as a photographer. And then I I had surgery on my right foot for um, just a very bad ankle injury. And from the surgery, I developed a nerve condition called chronic regional pain syndrome. And it spread from my foot, um, from my right basically from my right ankle through the rest of my foot over to my other foot, um, to my left foot. Um, it's the kind of, it's a neuropathic condition that tends to spread from the original site. 
And it's a very painful condition. So my job as a photographer, which was extremely physical, it, um, at that point I was doing red carpet photography, which, you know, in, uh, you really have to be on your feet for most of the day and then up all night to edit the photos so that they could be live in the morning. Um, it just became untenable with the amount of pain I had. So I really just, you know, searched inwardly and just thought about what some of my other interests were and um, where I could take them in terms of a career. And I had gone vegan, I think right after, I guess like about a couple of years after my diagnosis. And nutrition, I think, you know, interest in nutrition just sort of follows when you go vegan because you really have to learn because no one else is going to tell you. Um, And just around that same point when I was thinking about becoming a nutrition consultant, my father was diagnosed with stage four cancer and um, he was a physician and he never really believed in a correlation between nutrition and disease. But on the other hand, I had an inkling that there was some connection and I just really wanted to learn more about it. So all of these factors sort of influenced my decision to become a nutritionist and, um, and I'm so glad that I did it. Well, I'm glad you did it too, and I'll bet your clients are uh, <laughs> happier still. So oh, I want I to ask so. you a little bit about your dad, because I also grew sure. up with um, a physician uh, for That's a father, right. That's and right. he, he was an ENT, and then he kind of switched into being a diet doctor, and I was thinking about that term today, that if somebody really were a diet doctor, <laughs> meaning using diet to heal people, that right. would be a very cool thing. Um, so tell me a little bit about your dad. What was his specialty and what was his attitude toward lifestyle and prevention? Well, my father was a urologist and um, he he was a renowned surgeon and a renowned physician and everybody loved him. All his patients loved him. All his friends loved him. I loved him obviously. Um, but, uh, he, he was not from the prevention school. Um, he, he was from the exercise school. He sort of felt like you could undo whatever you do through diet, through exercise. And there are definitely quite a few physicians out there like that. But, um, yeah, he, he definitely did it. He ate, meat at least three times a day and didn't think that it would impact his health adversely. He thought the more protein, the better from meat. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was, he was just a, you know, a traditional physician from the school of surgery, essentially not lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And in, in fact, it, um, I actually went vegetarian when I was 16 and he thought that it would, you know, essentially lead to my death. He thought that it, vegetarianism was crazy. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it, it, it was almost, I really, I knew that, that it wasn't going to kill me, but, um, I, I think he, he almost pushed me to learn as much as I could so that I, cause I knew in my heart it was a healthy decision, but I really wanted to learn the whys and the hows of why it was healthy. So he really pushed me to, you know, to, to investigate further. Right. Well, rest is soul and my dad's too. I, it's very cool to come from a medical background, even if one doesn't go into that field. I see it with my son-in-law. His dad is a neonatologist and his mom is a pediatrician. And anytime anybody's a little bit sick, they call Nick. <laughs> 
because we've got so much of it growing up. It's kind of, of rubbed so off a bit. So while we're on this field of, of medicine, you're involved yes. with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. What is lifestyle yes. medicine? Well, lifestyle medicine is essentially uh, the opposite of what we were talking about a minute ago. Um, doctors involved in lifestyle medicine acknowledge the correlation between our lifestyle and our health. Um, we can prevent 80% of chronic disease today, everything from um, diabetes to heart disease to Alzheimer's and, and just a bevy of uh, chronic disease. Um, and we could do that through plant-based diet and and not smoking and through exercising and just a, a variety of lifestyle choices. So uh, the physicians and, and other health professionals involved in the American College of Lifestyle Medicine are really using lifestyle as the first tier um, in terms of prevention of disease and, and even treating diseases in, in, um, in certain, certain cases. Um, so it's, it's really fantastic that we've gotten here. Uh, I really, you know, I really wish that my dad were around to see this work that was going on and um, so that I could discuss it with him. Um, you know, because of my involvement. But, um, you know, there are some really amazing physicians involved in the ACLM, like Dr. Ornish and Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. Greger. Um, Dr. David Katz is the president of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and they're all just doing phenomenal work. And, um, and they have a tremendous following, too. So I think it's really... It's really just gathering a lot of steam and more and more people are, are learning that we don't have to wait until we're sick and we can actually prevent getting sick in the first place. Well, that's pretty exciting. Now, yeah. just so people understand, is lifestyle medicine the same as functional medicine or are those two different things? Hmm, that is a very good question. I think sometimes they are used interchangeably, but... Um, I would have to get back to you and investigate yeah. the, uh, the the exact semantics of functional medicine. Okay, but I do, and, and I do see that term thrown around a little bit in conjunction with lifestyle medicine, though. Well, I do, too. And the reason that I asked is because I think it's so confusing for people, especially people who are vegan, looking for a physician. Because sometimes we do better off going to a very conventional medical doctor who basically says, you're fine, go away, or you're sick, here's a drug, than somebody who is more holistic, because very often they are more of, of the, you know, paleo school, for lack of a better word, and they'll say, oh my gosh, you're, you're vegan, here are all the things that are awful about that. So it's kind of hard to know when you're looking for a physician where to go, what to look for, and what questions to ask. Well, it's it's interesting you mentioned that because um, the Plantrition Project, um, who some of the same people who work on the American College of Lifestyle Medicine work on the Plantrition Project, and they have just put together a fantastic registry of doctors who are aligned with uh, plant-based nutrition um, throughout the country. So um, if you go to, I believe, you can go to plantritionproject.org and find that, um, actually, no, sorry, it's plantbaseddocs.org. Uh-huh. And then you can find that tremendous listing of physicians who might be aligned with your values. That so is wonderful to know. Is there? We just yeah. had a couple of people from the uh, Plantrition Project on in the past month. Um, mm-hmm. We had uh, Jay Morris Hicks and um, his co-author, Dr. Carrie 
and I'm going to blank on her last name, but they've just done this this wonderful little book. I, I'm just crazy, crazy about this book, The Four Leaf Plan. So there's some of the plantrician folks. There's also another site, vegdocs.org, yes, put I, together I by um, yes. Reverend Russell Elevin, who's who's also mm-hmm. been a guest on the show. So, so the lifestyle medical people are going to have this big fancy conference in Nashville early yes. in November. I love Nashville. Oh my god! I love oh really? Music too. <gasps> I'm so excited. Yes. To, it's the first time I'll, I'll have been there. I'm so excited to go. It's well, good to it get is your just. Approval. <laughs> it is one of the most fun places. You know, I think sometimes. Oh, what if I couldn't live in New York City? Because I'm in love with this place, even though the winters are absolutely awful. And sometimes I kind of fantasize about, well, where would I go if I weren't here? Nashville is always on the list. And then something will happen, like I'll go to the Times Square subway station, as I did today. And first I saw this guy playing the saw and actually (laughs) doing it beautifully. And then several yards beyond him, I saw this big sign that said, Fight aging, and I walked closer, and it said, "Fight aging caused by sin." <laughs> some kind of, you know, evangelist who had some ideas other than good food and plastic surgery, and things like that happen. And I think, you know, what? How could anybody ever leave this place? But Nashville is cool. So tell us what's going to be going on there, November one through four. Right. Uh, so we're ha- it's Lifestyle Medicine 2015, and we're going to just have such a fantastic roster of speakers. Um, we're going to have some of the people I mentioned earlier, uh, Dr. Esselstyn, Dr. Ornish, Dr. Greger, Dan Butner from the Blue Zones, Dr. Katz, of course, who's the president of um, the ACLM, and just a, and a lot of tremendous um, personalities in preventative medicine. And um, they're all going to get together, and we're going to learn from all of them. Um, there's also going to be a dinner with uh, Dr. Ellsworth Wareham. Who oh, is, no. Uh, yes, yes. Oh. It's um, his 101st birthday coming up in October, I believe. And for the listeners who don't know this man, he's a retired cardiothoracic surgeon who um, was plant uh, who, who adopted a plant based diet early on in his life and credits his longevity and his mental acuity still at this point um, to a plant based diet. I think he was operating and I mean he was doing surgery into his 80s, um, so he's. Retired, but he still speaks at a lot of different conventions, and mm-hmm. um, we're so lucky to have him there as well. Oh, so my gonna, goodness. That's yeah. worth a trip to Nashville. <laughs> Absolutely. And yes. we are trying to get Dr. Wareham on the show, and you can check him out, everybody, if you don't know him already, on YouTube. He was interviewed um, at the age of, of 95, shortly after he retired saying, well, he, he could still keep working, and, you know, everybody wanted him to keep working, but, you know, the time comes when you want to spend more time with your family, sure. <laughs> which is <Absolutely>. it's, <laughs> At some it's, point. It's stunning. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So I want to ask you, Lauren, about this uh, disability that you live with. You had made a statement that we can prevent 80% of chronic disease, and Yet, I guess you would say that you're living with some of the 20% that couldn't be prevented. So what do we do with that? I find this such an important area to look into because 
there is a sense, I think, in, in the plant-based world that we all have to be perfect. We can't mm-hmm. just be in good health. We have to be in perfect health. And anything that isn't just, you know, tooling along like a, a 20-year-old athlete, it's just not good enough. So what do you do with all that? Yeah, um, it's, you know, it's there's a lot to live up to, I think, just like you said, with if you're vegan, I think people automatically assume that if you have an illness, if you have a disability, it's caused by what you're doing. It's caused by being vegan. Um, but, I, you know, there's people are going to think whatever they're going to think. Um, you know, there, there are certain things that can't be prevented. I couldn't prevent this, but I have learned to manage it. And, um, you know, I'm not complacent. I don't sit around just eating cupcakes all day. I know that there are things that I can do to um, moderate my pain and that those involve lifestyle choices as well. But, you know, I can only do the best I can. And if someone comes to me as a client and, and doesn't have confidence in me because I'm not perfect, then there's really nothing I can do about that. But I have yet to meet that person, fortunately. Um, I think people seem almost uh, more interested and more inspired to learn from me because I've had to learn firsthand how to live with um, live with a disability later in life. Um, and you know, so at, so at this point, I you know, unless people are saying things behind my back that I don't know about. Um, I feel like I just try to put, you know, a really positive um, face on, on having a disability and, and really just showing people that, you know, you can, we're not perfect and we can do a lot with what we have regardless of what, what it is we have. Oh, wow. Well, I'm sure that your clients find you incredibly inspiring as well as as wise. So talk a little bit about pain, Lauren. This is something we haven't addressed on this show. And I know that there are some dietary and and nutritional things that people can do to uh, help manage pain. Tell us some of those. Well, there are quite a few different types of pain. The kind of pain I have is neuropathic pain, which is... um, notoriously hard to manage. But regardless of what kind of pain you have, pain is often caused by inflammation. And when, as I'm sure you know, when we eat a plant-based diet, we eat a lot of anti-inflammatory foods. So um, my emphasis for people who have pain, for people who have inflammation or any chronic disease is to try to just add as many whole foods, as many fruits and vegetables to the diet, lots of smoothies, you know, try to get in your, at least your nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Uh, that makes a tremendous difference uh, in terms of just having a lot of phytonutrients, a lot of antioxidants. So we can do that. Um, we also have to just keep active and there's also meditation. Meditation is very helpful for pain. Um, even some of them, like the harder to treat types of pain, neuropathic pain. Um, acupuncture can also be very helpful for some people. And psychotherapy, you know, just talk therapy. There's there's a huge emotional component to pain. Um, it It's sort of a chicken-egg scenario, but uh, no pun intended. Um, but, uh, you know, t- people, people tend to get depressed when they have a lot of pain or it just sort of changes the whole landscape of, um, you know, your mental status. 
So it often really helps people who have pain to, to talk to a professional, like whoever it happens to be, whether it's a therapist or someone else who really understands, um, that's a big part of it as well. So it's, it's really like a multifaceted approach, I think, to, to pain in general. Um, but the more, the bigger, the better your regimen is and the more you include in it, I think the, the better chance you're going to have on managing your pain. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, and, and the other thing is too, with pain, it's the kind of thing that waxes and wanes. So it's also very important to just be aware of, um, even if you're feeling fantastic one day not to overdo it or else you might, you know, backslide into, into a more painful state. So to just try to keep on an even, te- even keel with all of your activities in general, but there is a lot we can do to, um, to mediate pain. You have such a beautiful attitude. When you were first diagnosed, what was your response? I mean, I feel like I would just be so angry and, and resentful that mm. this had happened. Did you go through yes, that? Absolutely. Yes. It's taken a long time to come to this attitude. Uh, it's definitely a journey because you're, you know, if you're faced with a health problem that changes your whole life virtually overnight, it's definitely going to be a huge adjustment. Um, I did, I felt very resentful to all kinds of, to all kinds of people and reasons that I shouldn't have even been resentful for. It was just a chance happening. Um, but I think it was, you know, all of that energy that one spends on being resentful really just, it just brings the focus to you for you know, for that period of time. And I think it was, it was having that, it was like sort of the opposite of that negative um, initial effect that sent me toward a vegan diet. Because I think I was just so tired of being angry and tired of being sad and depressed. And I needed something else to focus my attention on. And I noticed how therapeutic it was to spend time with animals and to spend time in nature and that really brought me back toward my roots in animal rights because I, I was very involved in animal rights in high school. I start, I was um, president of an animal rights club and I went to fur protests from the time I was about 14. And that had all, all sort of slid by the wayside in the interim. But, um, you know, having this big life change really brought me back to that. So um, I think it's a challenge, but if, if one... Um, develops a disease or a pain condition that's going to change your life, I think it's really important also to find something else outside of yourself that, that has meaning to you because that can really impact your experience. Well, I consider you holistic in the very best definition of of that word because you're really getting into body, mind, and spirit here. Now, you say in the notes that you sent me that this is a quote. I spend a lot of time, you say, unofficially educating people about disability, ableism, and general etiquette in relating to people with disabilities, both through social media and in day-to-day interactions. Tell us a little about that. <laughs> That's interesting, Victoria. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, well, because of my disability, um, I eventually, a couple of years ago, I, I had to get a motorized scooter. And I think when I met you, I was on foot because the, um, the bar itself wasn't accessible. So for long distances, I need to use the scooter to get around. New York is, I usually live, uh, when I'm not in East Hampton, I live in New York City. And New York is a walking city. Most of 
um, the subways aren't accessible to people with disabilities. Um, and because it's, it's a walking city and not a very disability friendly city, I don't think you, people see people with disabilities very often. And if they do, they're elderly. So when people see a younger woman, I mean, I'm not that young, but you know, a non elderly woman in, uh, who's slightly fashionable and wearing makeup in, a scooter, they get confused for some reason. I think people have this uh, perception of people with disabilities as slovenly or, you know, just not a very specific idea. Um, And they also think that people with many people also have this perception of people with disabilities as everybody has had to have a disability since they were born. So, I get a lot of questions, um, either direct or indirect. For instance, sometimes I'll roll into the elevator and a little kid will say to their mom, mommy, why does she use that? So I sort of try to use, um, referring to the scooter. So I try to use those as teachable moments to help kids understand people with disabilities or even their parents because their parents don't really know why I'm using that either. Um, and so I think I feel like New York altogether is just like a, a really great um, teaching opportunity for uh, all, so many people who just don't know about this subject. It is a great teaching opportunity on a great number of levels. (laughs) Lauren, you are so delightful. So listeners, let me tell you all the places where you can get more Lauren. And I'll bet you're (laughs) wanting that right now because of this conversation. Her website is laurencronnutrition.com. That's L-A-U-R-N-K-R-O-H-N. L-A-U-R-N-K-R-O-H-N. L-A-U-R-E-N. I'm so sorry. That's quite all right. I'm looking at the E and I said something else. (laughs) L-A-U-R-E-N-K-R-O-H-N nutrition.com. And this will all be in the show notes at um, MainStreetVegan.net slash blog. So if you are listening while in motion, you can go there and get all this info then. She's also on Facebook at Lauren Crone Nutrition. And on Twitter, at L. Crone Nutrition, of course, because we need to save on character. Exactly. Lauren, just in the final minute of this yes. conversation, a last word? A last word. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, it, it's back to school time. To I think just sort of to end on a, a similar note to, um, to what Drina's been talking about, just try to get Try to find out all of the wonderful foods that are in, are in season. To try to make your kids the most healthful and interesting lunches that you can for back to school. That sounds good. And we can make them for ourselves, too. And maybe yes, one of absolutely. these days you and I can have a lunch together here in the great big apple. Oh, that so, would be wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks to Drina thank Burton you. as well. Thanks to Unity Online Radio. You know, we can help them out. They are a church-sponsored station out there in Missouri, and uh, contributions are accepted, appreciated, and, you know, your prosperity will multiply. That's how it works. Thank you all for being with us today. God bless you, and eat your veggies. 
Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. If I were brave, I'd walk the razor's edge Where fools and dreamers dare to tread And never lose faith How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? Inspiration only takes a moment. If you are able to safely turn your attention away from the demands of your activities, quiet your mind and affirm. There is a divine plan at work in my life. I now relax, let go, and let it unfold. Listen attentively, inwardly, without projecting any thoughts about what you think should happen or be experienced. Become as a child, trusting and receptive to the guidance of spirit within. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, 
and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.